Demarest discovers these murals in the 70s by looking, by walking, by paying attention, talking to people, hearing about it. Like, what's in this world that we have left to discover? Is it something historic that we didn't know about? Is there something in the future that we, we might see? And I, and I do think that that, that look, that impulse to, to look, needs, we need to remind ourselves to do that because we're so distracted by our, our media. The PGH Museums Corporation presents to you the new Pittsburgh Exposition, the area's premier podcast highlighting our regional's cultural resources, attractions, and exhibition, as well as meeting the people involved in their conservation. Now, here's presenter Brian Crawford with the program. Tunnel vision, phone addiction, there are all of these forces fighting for our attention. It's so easy to get sucked in. It happens to me. I do try to shake myself out of it, though, so I can observe and appreciate the world around me. I'll internally tell myself, put down the phone! As I look outside, riding the T, the light rail system here in Pittsburgh, on my way downtown. You never know what you're going to miss. Every time I walk downtown here in Pittsburgh, I'm looking around, and every time I see something different. Just the other day, I was walking down the Boulevard of the Allies, and I saw a beautiful Art Deco building that I hadn't noticed before. That's exactly how Dr. David Demarest discovered the Maxivanka murals at St. Nicholas Church in Millville, Pennsylvania, a few miles north of Pittsburgh along Route 28. David was a professor at Carnegie Mellon University and a writer, among other things. According to Steffi Domike, who you heard at the beginning of this edition, once David chose to live in Pittsburgh, he decided to learn the city by walking it. There's no better way to learn a place than to travel it with your own two feet. On his journey through the city and the surrounding neighborhoods, he was told about the murals, and he went to see them. Vanka's murals cover the entire sanctuary of St. Nicholas. They include religious imagery, but also imagery of the world of that time. Imagery that warns of the horrors of war. Imagery so relevant in today's world of escalating tensions. The murals inspired David to write a play, Gift to America. That's how Vanka referred to his murals. And David also helped create the Society to Preserve the Millville Murals of Max Vanka, an organization that works to restore the murals, preserve them, and help a new generation to discover them. Like David Demarest, Max Vanka, a Croatian immigrant, also enjoyed experiencing the world around him. While his granddaughter, Maria Halderman, grew up, Max Ivanka would tell her, Gledai, a word that means look in Croatian. The Society for the Preservation of the Millville Murals of Max Ivanka, which Steffi likes to refer to as the Vanka Group, entrusted Steffi Domajk with the task of putting together an exhibition that introduces you to the man behind the murals and show his progression as an artist leading up to their creation. Steffi was a professor herself at Carnegie Mellon University and then Chatham University, also in Pittsburgh. She was a union organizer with the United Steelworkers. She was a member of the Vanka Society's Board of Directors. She's a filmmaker, an artist, and she's the curator of the Vanka Group's current exhibit, Gladai. Gladai can be seen at the Rivers of Steel Boast Building 
in Homestead, Pennsylvania. You can learn more about Rivers of Steel at riversofsteel.com. This is the new Pittsburgh Exposition Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Crawford, and I urge you to slušati, Croatian for listen, and learn how the society is preserving Vanka's work and bringing it into today's world. First, let's learn a little bit about who Max Ivanka was. Here's Steffi Domajk. You know, he, he's an interesting person himself. Vanka was an illegitimate child uh, from, we think, Austro-Hungarian royalty. Mm-hmm. And he was placed, as was done at the time, the beginning of the uh, 20th century, he was placed with a peasant family, and apparently the peasant family got a monthly stipend to, to keep him alive and was discovered and found found by his his royal family when he was about 8 years old and taken to taken out of that family and put in more luxurious circumstances and sent to school and then eventually to art school because he was found to have a lot of talent but he he grew up in a very very poor dire poor family and he never forgot them he he sort of modeled the strong women that you see in the in the church at St. Nicholas. He modeled them after his peasant mother because he didn't really know his biological mother. He'd been abandoned by his biological family. Stephanie's referring to Vanka using these people from his childhood as models for his work, his artwork. He modeled the the workers, you know, the, the, the men after the peasants that he grew up with. They were hardworking and they were, how can I talk about this? They had a look of pride about themselves. They have, uh, they're not just physical specimens Mm -hmm. and they're not just a part of a machine, but they're, they are themselves important. I believe that Vanka learned from the very beginning that working people really were the essential workers, that, that, that there's a working class, and that he was able, because of his particular circumstances, to give some pride to that image, to give some real reaction that wasn't just making workers a part of a machine. So in the in the show that we produced, Godai, we produced at, at the um, Boast Building. It's there uh, until the end of October mm-hmm. this year. And I say our intention, we. I'm talking about Anna, Anna Doring, who is the executive director of the Vanka Group. We'll meet Anna Deering a little bit later in this podcast. Anna really was a collaborator in pulling this together. And we wanted to sort of tell Maxo Vanka's story about how he developed his vision and then also show how it, it, it sort of evolved with him to the point where he was able to make the murals. Because he started out, he was a, he was a painter. He taught painting. He taught life drawing in uh, Zagreb and he was he was a celebrated artist in Croatia, and he was in his thirties. And a young woman, see Mar- Margaret Stetton, came to Zagreb to see his work because she was 
interested in art and interested in artists, and she fell in love with him. And really, the story goes that she really seduced him into marrying her. They had a very, very good marriage and a good life. But because she was Jewish, and it was in the 30s, 1930s, and Nazism was growing, and uh, it was clear that it was going to be dangerous for them to stay as the Axis was reaching uh, Southern Europe. He, they left and came to America. But when he came to the States, he, he was really impressed with sort of the standard of living. He was impressed with the uh, skyscrapers. He called them colossal. <laughs> and um, he was also concerned that, that life in the States was all about money. He was very concerned, and he, even though he he lived in New York City with his his family and his in laws, his his father in law was a a, a well well known well to do doctor in New York City, so he lived up in, you know, uptown in a in a in a fancy place. But he spent his days. His studio was down in the Bowery, and he was trying to understand the working class folks like he had grown up with in in poverty and he, he, a lot of his images are of just a, a worker standing and they have a a certain look to them which shows them to sort of directly looking at the artist out of the out of the page as proud real people like take me seriously i'm not just just a, a tool. And, and then we show a few things from his trip to Mexico, where he was also looking at oil workers. And he was very interested in the development of industry. He was amazed because I, I think he came from a very rural culture and mm -hmm. without much industrial development at the time in Croatia. So he was amazed when he got to Pittsburgh and Johnstown and saw the mills. And there was a lot of that, a lot of work that he, he did there. When you go to the Gladai exhibit, you'll notice a theme in Vanka's work where he focuses a lot on workers. You see it both there and you can see the, the everyday guy in the murals at St. Nicholas as well. Vanka himself was no stranger to hard work. So you did you know who Vanka was before you started? So you'd no clue. No clue. I actually was driving. I went to to find the place before I had to be there, you know, like any good uh -huh. job interview thing. <laughs> That's the voice of Anna Deering, the executive director for the Society to Preserve the Millville Murals of Max Ivanka. I had lived in Pittsburgh at that time, 10 years, 11 years, and I had never heard of the Vanka murals before. And so it was, wow, like that was part, I mean, that was part of it was just that getting to be associated with something like this was sort of a once in a lifetime, once in a career opportunity. So I, you know, I'm really happy and grateful to be doing the work. Anna Deering kind of blew my mind when she talked about the kind of work hours that Vanka put into creating the murals that spread across the sanctuary at St. Nicholas. Here's what she's talking about. This is what I mean when I say Vanka had a strong work ethic. 
So it's, we say 24, the first session was eight weeks. And then we get sort of a range on the second, uh, second session in 41, which was 16 to 18. So I always round up and say it was at least 24. But of course, that's, you know, less than uh, what, half a year, you know, I mean, this is a six month time period that he painted what and, and I think that's what people need to recognize, too, is that there are areas in the church that have been painted over that he painted. So oh, wow. there, there are adjoining walls to the murals that are gray now that he had painted a design all over them. They were so he had really painted almost the entire interior of the church. And and if you come in and see the scaffolding that our conservators are working on now, which is a lot of metal with interior stairs, it, it contrasts greatly to Vanka's wooden platforms and, you know, sort of <laughs> just sitting on the edge of a platform painting three, you know, three stories in the air. So it, that in itself is an accomplishment. He did come back in 1951 to paint the front ribbon on the uh, the ribbon on the front of the choir loft. Um, that was during a, a celebration, an anniversary celebration for the church. But I, if that took him you know, two days, I'd be surprised. I mean, that's the yeah. thing that that's the thing that we always say is that in the first session, Vanka painted a mural every four to five days. It wow. takes it takes our conservators months to conserve one mural that he painted in one week or less, you know, so it's a uh, it's interesting. And he did it all before energy drinks. I think there was a lot of coffee. Uh, yeah, involved, yeah, <laughs> a lot of coffee. But and it, and he said to work nine a.m. to three a.m. most days, except Sunday. He got wow. out. Of the, he got out of the way of the church during that. So, so what can you expect when you head to Saint Nicholas to see the murals in Millville? Steffi Domike tells us more. There's the Pietà. You see Mary holding Jesus as after he was taken off the cross. Across from the Pietà is uh, a mural of women mourning one of their sons who had fallen in war. And he painted that when Croatia, he was a Croatian, and this is a Croatian church, when, when there was war in his homeland. And he wanted to show what an impact it had for anyone to lose a son. And then if you go to the other side of the church, there's a painting of mothers raise their sons for American industry. And there's there are women mourning a fallen worker, someone who had, who had uh, died in a mine, in an explosion. And then you see other workers going down into the mine. And, it, and there's a newspaper story in Croatian that this, this, this dead man is lying on. And it's, it's about a true story from Johnstown of an explosion and of, of the other brothers going down to try and save people, and they all died. So it it's, it's really brings home what, what it means to lose a child, what it means to, uh, to, to, to do your work and to, and to be attacked or to fall in, you know, in violence. Max Ovanka, the artist, was very sensitive about how how workers were represented, how working people were were presented to in his paintings. When David Demarest walked through Millville and saw the murals, they were not in great shape. 
the Society to Preserve the Millville Murals of Max Ivanka has been working to restore the murals as best as they can. There's a lot of work going into it, a current restoration going on right now. This is what the murals were like when Demarest first came upon them. Here's Steffi Domike. They were poorly lit. There was efflorescence. There was salt coming through the walls. There was a leaky roof. There was uh, dirt accumulated on all of all of the murals. And so he began to talk to folks about pres- preserving them. A lot of the parishioners sort of stopped looking at them, partly because they were dirty and unlit. You, you know, to see them, you had to shine a light on them. And partly because some of the imagery is, is, is pretty, pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's based on the scripture. It's based on the uh, Catholic Bible, the way of thinking. But Vanka's way of thinking also took it took those the lessons or the stories from Scripture into the real world. Go to any narthex in any church in southwestern Pennsylvania, and you'll see one of those little thermometer fundraising pictures, and it'll say "New Roof Fund." Well. It's no different at St. Nicholas Church in Millville. Luckily, they have the Vonka Group to help tag team in restoration efforts. I asked Anna Deering if the roof was the biggest challenge for the organization. Good, good question. That is that has been a source of water infiltration into the building. And it was really not about, you know, the care, the 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 regular care of the shingled roof has been very good. It was the problem with the metalwork around the building, which was failing. And so this was this was a great example of the partnership because what we ended up doing was getting a planning grant from the Pennsylvania Historical and Museum Commission along uh, and funding from Heinz Endowments as well. That was a matching grant. It was planning for us. And it was the first time we'd ever been able to fund like this kind of planning. We had Jeff Slack of time and place do a historic structure report. So he basically did a deep dive into the history and condition of the building, including a roof assessment, which is what led us to understand where the water was coming from. And then we did a conservation planning and lighting planning within all of that. And it was really once Jeff started to identify what was kind of an ongoing and visible water problem on the um, school side of the church. There are salts of, you know, evident on the surface of the murals. We realized that, you know, sort of water had never stopped coming into that wall. And so what we ended up doing was taking the results of that roof assessment, identifying the problems. We, we stepped forward and said, you know, we'll go after funding to support the preservation, you know, the, the fix of this roof, because it directly impacts the health of the murals. The church wanted to fix, you know, do their part uh, to reshingle, you know, as they wanted to do. So the, the roof project ended up being almost $300,000. And it was the biggest project we had undertaken the lead on for for the murals outside of conservation. But we had a $100,000 grant from PHMC. So they came back with a construction grant. And this type of grant 
made us eligible for other funding that we otherwise wouldn't have or been eligible to date. So we had funding from Pitt Parent Crab Foundation. We also got funding from the National Trust for Historic Preservation. And that was another big sort of new avenue of interest that we created. We also had a very generous personal donor, Julia Royale, make a gift to that. And then, of course, the church put money in, as did Pittsburgh History and Landmarks Foundation. So we kind of, again, a community, <laughs> you know, it, it took it took a village on that. It also took us doing some extra, you know, we made a commitment to do this. So we did some extra fundraising to, to make it possible. And, you know, that was difficult during COVID when we lost 75% of our tour revenue mm. uh, over the course of the year, you know, and then it sort of gradually started going back up in 21 and 22, but we really didn't fully rebound until the end of 22. And that's really where a lot of our operating support comes from. So, so that project though, put us on the map for some funders now that we can go back to them for future projects. And so that again was a, I think a strategic and significant investment that the society made uh, in the, in the building. We also through the Save America's Treasures Grant, because people also say, always ask us, how do the murals get so dirty? Well, they get dirty because the windows of the church stay open nine months out of the year. And good old Pittsburgh dirt 28, you know, it's historic dirt on top of new dirt and soot and everything. So we, through the Save America's Treasures Grant, were able to contract with IAMS Consulting to, to design a climate control system for the building that will be implemented by the church. So it's something where it's, again, it's that collaboration. We were able to influence, you know, and, and, and provide input into the design from the perspective of the murals, but also then the church had its, it has its resources to implement something that's been on their to-do list for a long time. Part of doing the roof project was also securing any other water infiltration areas like on the mortar. So they redid, so they power washed, they fully washed the building down and remortar, you know, put, uh, did pointing as needed. And then one thing that they did too, which is really interesting, and you can see it now if you go up, it's very pretty, is that for the first time ever, there's flashing over those big arched windows that are on the sides that are right on the mural walls. Mm -hmm. And that those that copper has been regulated into the mortar and is fully sealed up because that's where there was just mortar over the top that had given way and water was getting in there. But getting back to the, the color, it's just like, it's so bright now because of that washing. And, and it's like the murals though, you know, you look at the murals and when you look at them with, especially with light on them, they don't look that dirty, but when you clean them, you're like, wow. Yeah. Those were, those were dirty. And I think, I told you before that some of the really exciting stuff is that any of the, the metallic surfaces above in the heavens are either gold leaf or aluminum leaf. And the, the mirror and the conservators have now uncovered the sil the aluminum leaf behind two of the evangelists portrait, you know, uh, painting murals in the ceiling, as well as gold leaf on Christ, some of Christ's robes. And so that, is reflective surface. It's just amazing. And I think what is always amazing to me is that that aluminum surface is behind the big green, all the green paint on the main altar mural. Mm -hmm. 
So once we've hopefully found a way to clean that off, we'll be able to um, have this beautiful floating icon, you know, in the in the church again. And, and, you know, fingers crossed we can do that. When it came to the Gladai exhibit at the Rivers of Steel Boast Building, Steffi ran into a restoration issue of her own. What were some of the challenges that you experienced both logistically and mechanically putting together this exhibit? Well, one of the paintings that was given to the society uh, by the family is this really large painting. I think it's, it has several names. Fallen Comrade is one of the names. It's, it's the biggest painting. It's like it's six foot by six foot or something. It's huge. And it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It was filthy. It had been in a barn. And it had been, uh, let's say, had taken additions from birds that were nesting above it. And it was so dirty. But we had uh, one of the art conservators who's been working on on the murals just spent a day with it, but cleaned it up considerably. So I was worried about that one because it was just in such terrible shape. But the conservator did a beautiful job. And so it, it didn't really fit in with anything, and it didn't fit anywhere except over on the side, if you remember. So it sort of stands on its own. So there was, it's a piece that it doesn't really fit with the saga that we had going around the room, but yet it's an incredible piece that is actually owned by the Vanka murals group. So we really wanted to show it. So that was a challenge with it, where to place it, how to clean it. And then it turns out the family had a sketch from when, you know, that he sketched before he actually did the painting. And so that was, that sealed it. We had to have yeah, and that's one thing I love about this exhibit is you can see the sketch and the original piece, and you can see the, I, I, like I said, the building blocks, but you can see his, his mind at work, and you can see the process of the artist, which I think is really interesting to be able to get that behind-the-scenes look into this incredible artist. Absolutely. And the changes that he makes. Mm-hmm. He made changes. It, nothing stayed exactly the same. Uh, his sketches... Of, well, his sketches of the murals, he went through several iterations about, you know, how things might be, you know, uh, and and then settled on what he eventually painted. But people people marvel at how he only spent eight weeks doing the first set of murals. But he was thinking about them before he got there and had drawn drawn a lot of them out. Plus, there were some... Some of the murals, uh, the one of the uh, Croatian women, mothers raised their sons for war, the one of the fallen soldier, There, he'd actually painted that before. And that's the one that's in the Bucks County Museum. So he's, he had painted that before. There's another piece that's in the, there's a family, uh, a couple in, in Pittsburgh who are collectors of Vanka's work. Mm. And and one of the pieces in in the show is is from them, but it's 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 a piece that looks a lot like part of one of the murals. Uh, it's a but it's a painting that dates back way before he he made the mural. So he had painted some of these scenes before for other reasons or because it was an image in his, he had in his head. 
and he used it again. Vonka was a man of few words, so Steffi Domike used that as an opportunity to let other people, contemporaries of his time, describe Vonka and his work through quotes of people who knew him. One of the people who brought Vanka to Pittsburgh was named Louis Adamic. Adamic met him in Croatia. They spoke the same language. They could understand each other and encouraged him to come to the States when he did. Adamic had been to the States a couple of times. He was a writer and wrote, he was a socialist and a writer and wrote novels as well as sort of historical books. And it's, it's actually through one of Adamic's books, A Cradle of Life, that I was able to get some insight into Max Ovanka's background. Because Cradle of Life, according to Vanka's granddaughter, Maria Halderman, she says the first half of the book probably is pretty close to Moxo's upbringing until he was maybe 12 years old. Because mm-hmm. it kind of tells the story of this boy being left with the peasant uh, family and, and what that was like for him. Uh, in the gallery, we have some quotes from Adamich, and we have some of, because uh, Adamich sort of became his voice. Mm-hmm. Vanka didn't write anything. He, didn't, he, he made images, and Adamich kind of narrated that work. Yeah. And it was Adamich who also introduced him to the priest at St. Nicholas and got him that job to okay. do the murals. So he's a very important figure in 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 uh, Vanka's life, and we've in in the in the gallery exhibit, you can see Adamich's impact. I asked Steffi if she was intentional about finding specific pieces to add to the Gladai exhibit, or if she just kind of was handed everything. And I learned some really interesting things about Vanka's past through one of the pieces added to the exhibit. Yes, both. Well, the the family had gifted to the the Vanka murals group had gifted these process pieces and and also images of Johnstown and Pittsburgh. And so those are pieces that we had sort of the 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 second half that you when you when you, you go through the show, you start with Vanka as a child and then you move through his work in Croatia, and then you get to when he comes to America. We didn't have any of those pieces. So we visited the family, and they still have quite an amazing collection of his work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to tell those stories. I had read The Cradle of Life, and I was putting together a, a story of where he came from, and went to the at the family they had this velvet jacket a blue velvet jacket that was apparently vanka's and there was also a photograph of him in the jacket hmm. so that's in the show and we brought it brought the jacket and the photograph because in the cradle of life there's a a, a piece about when vanka was a young boy every year his foster mother would take her take him to a midwife who had made the exchange who had set up this foster mother 
to take care of Moxa Ivanka. And he was to be photographed. And the photograph was apparently sent to his birth family every year. Okay. And in the Cradle of Life, it tells the story of this young boy getting, and they would also give him a, uh, a new suit of clothes every year. And so he was, he was given this blue velvet suit as a child. And, it, and then he was photographed in that blue velvet suit. And then he, it, the photograph was then sent to his family or his birth family. And then he had this blue velvet suit that he wore to church. That was his good, he would be given a, a new suit of clothes and that would be his good clothes for the year. Okay. And obviously this child is growing out of it too. Mm-hmm. But he, in, in, in the cradle of life, it says that when he wore it to church, he realized nobody was dressed in that kind of elegant outfit like he had, that nobody had that kind of outfit. And that set him apart. He was very different than anybody else in the village or at the church or in the family. He knew he was different, but he realized that that velvet suit really set him apart. And I think that is probably the earliest memory that is described in this sort of novelized version of his childhood. First time he realized something about class, mm-hmm. that he was being raised in a very working class, really poverty-stricken family in a very poor community, but that an issue like some piece of clothing could set you apart and could could actually signal a whole different lifestyle that he actually didn't really know existed mm-hmm. except in this velvet jacket. And so when I saw that velvet jacket at at uh, Maria's house, I just thought, hey, that has, that's part of the story. Yeah. Because this is part of his consciousness, his coming to awareness of his class background, both in in the village and also in with these people that he didn't know who were giving him this velvet suit. Yeah, so that's why uh, that's sort of the first thing you see when you get there, and the pile of books that I had to read about Vanka, and and the photograph that he had of himself as a child with his his uh, foster mother. Vanka was a a connector, a connection piece for the for the Croatian community. He he brought. Remember, these are new immigrants. We're talking in the 1930s. The biggest time most of the immigrants uh, came to, the, to this region was when the steel mills were expanding. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh had its largest population in the 1920s. So this is when the city is bursting with new immigrants. And Vanka comes and can give, give image to that experience. He, he, he draws pictures from the old country. He shows the, the outfits in, in the embroidery from the old country. And folks can still talk about it, can mention it, can, can remember it. And he provided a, a, a visual touch, a, a way to remember where they came from and where, how they belong in this new world. 
because the you know the murals have this this story that you know people were in the old country to the left of the altar and they've come to the new country to the right of the altar mm-hmm. and all of that is just beautifully painted on the walls and i think he so he he gives the the the, the visual track and it was Adamich and other writers like like him who who give us the audio track who give us the words to describe it, so that's why we we you know used a lot of texts in 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 the gallery, and we also were able to show uh, some bits of the collection that the Vanka murals has, bits of the uh, uh, his sketches for the murals because the murals are going to stay on the walls of the church. Mm-hmm. We can't bring them into the gallery. We did bring some uh, big canvas. They're, images of them, yes, yeah. Yes, there are big blow-ups, mm-hmm. and so there are two of those hanging on the wall, and that's that helps a little bit. So the whole purpose was to kind of give people an idea of where these, how these murals, where these murals come from, you know. And they came from a guy who used to be a portrait artist, and and yet he came to the states and totally changed his whole way of working, changed his whole lifestyle found a new world and tried to interpret it, you know, through his art. Anna Deering. So just to kind of start, start with how we were able to kind of start this process of putting the, uh, the exhibition together is that the Vanka family, which uh, lives out in Eastern PA, has been very supportive and, and very responsive to our request to do different things with, you know, with the, the murals, but also with their collection of things that are related to the murals. And in 2019, they actually gave us this gift of 130 sketches and drawings, some of Pittsburgh when Vanka was here in 35 and 37. And so you get that idea of what Vanka was seeing when he was walking around the riverside and on the streets of Pittsburgh. But then there was also a sketchbook in there about the murals themselves and his process to bring the murals to life in 37 and actually in 41 that was this sketchbook was more about the 41s which was really interesting and we just saw a lot of things in there that that told us a couple of things one Vanka didn't just walk in the church and was inspired and started painting you know he had given a lot of thought to what he was going to put on the walls and what we noticed too was that he was bringing back things that were, you know, that were part of his training as an artist or things that he painted earlier in his life. For instance, Croatian mother's mother raises her son for war is based on a canvas he painted in 1918. And so we were just now, as you were saying, sort of discovering new truths about the the conception of the murals and how they got on the walls. And then, you know, the other piece of it is, and we kind of think that as you saw the exhibit, there's probably four different stories being told at least on those on those walls there and, and total credit to curator Steffi Domike for bringing this together. But the with the family's loans and other collectors loans and our collection, we had those that vignette, you know, those different vignettes, the one about who Max Ovanka was as he grew up and had that experience being an illegitimate child and raised by, you know, a, a peasant family, but then giving credit to his training because he was formally trained and he did wonderful portraiture and, and was known in Croatia for that. But then as you kind of wrap through the exhibit, you realize he comes to the United States in 34 
And he loves, you know, he's in New York first and he loves this sort of the city, the monumental size of the city. And and I know you were recently in New York, but he's like, yeah. he's always, <laughs> he was, he was always, there's a quote and I can't tell you what it's, what it, the exact quote is in Croatian, but it says, you know, it's about the monumental size of the buildings. He was just blown away by it. But then he was also blown away and, and, you know, really intent on capturing the what the plight or the experience of immigrant labor in the United States and sort of who was paying the price for the rise of, you know, industrial America. And so you get these great images and sketches just beautifully done around the docks of New York and, and the streets of New York and under the bridges of New York and the protests happening in New York at that time. But then he goes to Mexico and he sketches and, and captures that life. He's in California and then he comes to Pittsburgh. And so you really do get that. What was Pittsburgh looking like in 35? What was it looking in 37? And then 37, for instance, the Cathedral of Learning had just been finished. So he captured, you know, a sketch of the cathedral coming up. And then it wraps into because we were really trying to say, let's introduce you to Vanka all the way up to the to the creation of the first set of murals in 37. And so then we have that, those sketchbooks and designs that you can see his process for creating them. And I think that just, you know, it just obviously adds to the story, but it really kind of, I think in a lot of ways too, and this is what we've been hearing from people going to the exhibit. And you asked sort of what the impact of that exhibit has been. Rivers of Steel estimates that this is one of the best attended exhibitions that they've had uh, at the Boss Building and including sort of events that we've done and other things. You know, we're probably going to get close to 800 people or 1,000 people who've gone through. A lot of people who are just discovering it because they've come to buy tickets to go to a carry, you know, to a Razor Seal tour or something. But then we had people engage with us, and we did this through a grant through Rivers of Steel. So in partnership, we we added to it. We Gladai for Blanca means look or observe, and apparently his whole life, you know, his his grandchildren and children experienced him always telling them, Gladai, you know, look, observe, see, you know, show what you're seeing. And so the, we we brought those sketching sessions in partnership with the exhibition. So we went out into Pittsburgh like Vanka did and had three different sketching sessions with Rick Landisberg, Ron Donahue, and John Martine and John Finari. And we put them in on the South side we put them in Polish Hill and then at Cary Furnace. And we had a total of almost 100 or almost 80 people participate in those three sessions. And now we've got a new audience there because almost a, a number of them had never been to the murals before. So they were, you know, re, you know, rediscovering us for the first time. So that was that's kind of what we're using those things for is just to reach new audiences. What's the future? What in the short term, long term? for the society? So for the society, you know, again, it's kind of more, you know, doing more fully realizing kind of our mission as it is today that that save, I always, I always shorten it to save and share because you can get a, you can cram a lot underneath both of those things. Immediately it's, it's continuing with the conservation. So we will be with the funding from Save America's Treasures and the matching grants that we're getting for that we will 
between now and August 2025, we'll be moving across the sanctuary to complete the high walls and the ceilings, uh, ceiling murals. And that will take us, when the, by the time we get to the end of that, we will be have completed 90% of the cleaning of the murals. The next, hopefully simultaneously before the end of that, we'll be able to secure the funding to do the lighting of the of the next round you know this next round of conservation mm -hmm. and then and then part of what our crest fellow is doing is researching up is creating a plan to treat the main altar mural because the the thing that i think many people know is that if you've been there you know that in 1970 there were alterations made to that mural. So the main altar mural is the most altered mural in the church. And it includes that overpaint of the aluminum surface. It includes the addition of figures at the bottom of the mural that are not Vanka's that were painted. So we're trying to figure out what's the, you know, what's the best way to clean that mural and, and, and light the mural there. So that would be sort of in a way the last phase of conservation, the first round of conservation. We are also going back and, and looking at surfaces that have been previously conserved to see if there's repair needed or new conservation. We know that's going to be necessary on the Pieta and the battlefield scenes under the choir loft because with the introduction of a climate control system for those battlefield scene murals, well, we were gonna we're going to sort of stabilize the environment for them and be able to go back and, and do some repair. We also are just continuing to build out our idea of what it means to be a community, a creative resource in the community. So looking at how that feeds into our education programs, our collaborations, you know, more programming that we can do on campus as it's it's possible with the St. Nicholas, because St. Nicholas is still an active congregation. And so we, you know, are secondary to that in terms of on-campus programming. But one of the things that I, I think it's, we're excited to say is that we are looking at expanding our footprint on campus by potentially reusing the, some buildings that are no longer in use by the congregation, including the school building, which is just right next to the church, and then the the possibly the rectory, but with a focus on the school building, because what we need is we need space to create more of a visitor experience on campus, and we also need space to to archive uh, and and share the history of the church and the history of the murals. So we really see the potential with that building if if we can make that happen, you know, structurally, it's a sound building. But if we can make that happen, we see that as being absolutely gallery space, interpretive space. Um, one of the great things we're excited about is being able to preserve for, you know, eternity, I guess, in per perpetuity, the history of the congregation and the story of, of the immigrant story here in Pittsburgh, which really is is the story of the murals. So, you know, that's something we're excited to do. We're also just excited to have potentially dedicated space on campus outside the church that's accessible. So, you know, putting some accessibility accommodations into that into a space on campus and being able to both have events and educational space, possibly even studio space, other things like that. We just see being able to continue to tell the story of the murals needing 
additional space, you know, immediate space on campus to be able to to continue to bring new audiences there and and to deepen their interest and engagement with the murals, which ultimately leads to supporting their future. And that's the kind of engagement and sustainability, you know, that's that's sustainability. That's the engagement we need to for the long term. Will we see some of Gladai in that that new space? That's a great question. I mean, we you're absolutely right. We do not keep the collection on campus at this time. We have it and when it's not on show, we have it in a secure storage facility. We absolutely would love to be able to have something on permanent exhibit, constant ex- exhibition at the church that shows the part of the, um, you know, the Vanka collection ongoing. Because again, you could rotate so many stories through that collection and it would be wonderful for students, artists uh, to see his process work and his his techniques. And, and that would be an interesting thing all the time. So we are absolutely wanting to make it a place where you come for an hour tour and you do the docent tour and then you stay for another hour and you look through a you know history exhibit about how the church was founded and then you get to see parts of the vanka collection and then maybe you know you you get to observe an artist at work or something else who knows and we really are looking at how to make that a really welcoming space too for the community so points of reflection, you know, are things that we want to do, you know, where could you create some green space and have people be able to sit and just think about the experience or have some spiritual reflection, whatever they want to do, whatever that space sort of inspires for them is what we want to do. And I think that's the big, that's another big piece of our planning and thinking for the future is just acknowledging and committing to being responsible to a space and being responsible to a sacred space and and what that means we're we're just you know privileged and and happy to to continue to be in partnership with the parish and to be able to to do the work that that we're doing alongside you know their their now nearly 125 year history there at uh, St. Nicholas how has your work with the, the society and learning about Vanka, putting on this exhibit, how has that impacted your work as an artist? I've learned about using borders. And I mean borders in several different ways. Lately, I, what I've been doing in my own work has been mosaic work. I've just started doing it a couple of years ago, I guess during COVID, making mosaics. And part of what you have to do in doing mosaics is 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 figure out you're telling a little story. It's a different kind of story. Mm-hmm. And what I've been doing is painting the story onto the onto the cement board, which is not which is not a very forgiving surface. It's a very <laughs> absorbing surface. Mm-hmm. And then gluing on the pieces. And and I've learned a lot of from Vanka about the importance of the edges that the edges are really important, what's around the edge. Mm, mm-hmm. It's as important in many ways as what's in the center. And so that was important. Also color in his paintings where he uses color. Of course, his black and white drawings, there's no color, but he uses vibrant color and vibrant color is well appreciated. And I've been working on making sure I put in enough color. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's one of the challenges of everyday life, you know, you can wear that same pair of jeans or 
pair of, you know, wear black. And it's possible to, to kind of erase yourself into the landscape instead of, let's wear some color, wear some red, do something that looks like a flower. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's uh, come alive. And I think Vanka's work is, is got so much richness in, 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 in color and also on the borders, on the edges, what's around the corner and what's across the border. I think a lot of that is implied in his work. When people leave the exhibit, uh, Gladai exhibit, what do you want them to take away with them as they leave? Oh, oh, that's a great question. Um, I think I think a new appreciation if they've if they've experienced the murals before, a, sort of a new side of the story. You know, getting a new perspective on the murals. If they haven't experienced the murals, obviously, I want them to be kind of hungry for more. You know, let me go see how these things really turned out. You know, in Saint Nicholas, I I really honestly maybe I'm just a huge fan of Max Max Ovanka and just feel that he hasn't had his due yet because I I really think that you can't spend you know if you spend time in that exhibit as appreciation for him as an artist has to come through but also I just think I always think that um, description of him as sort of a species of mystic is kind of interesting to me. When you sit back and reflect on the fact that one man over a period of 24 weeks alone painted those murals, it's just, it's an extraordinary human artistic achievement. And that that's the beginning of my awe, <laughs> you know, with him starts there, but then it becomes less of this, not not less awe, but it becomes more, you know, you kind of a better understanding of how it happened when you see both what he experienced in his life and then the training and the, and the you know, discipline that he put to his work. This, it, I, my, my take on this is that Max Ovanka didn't go anywhere without a sketchbook and he didn't go and he was, he was so you know, I guess just prolific, but he, he, I think he got as a person so much out of what he was able to bring forward, you know, out of what he was looking at Gladai, you know, that, um, that enriched his life as well. And so when you get to see, and I, I can't, you know, offer this to everybody, but when you do get to visit with the family and see the, really the expanse of his work and from young age to when he started to do more sculpture when he was older, you know, the man loved other artists and he tried other, all kinds of mediums. Then you just get this just amazing appreciation for a, his talent, but just his curiosity and wonder his own curiosity and wonder. And gosh, I wish I had been able to sit around the table with him and father Jagar back in, you know, 1937 and, 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 or been a fly on the wall and just watched how this all sort of came together. So it, because that's the other thing I, you know, father Jagar gets a ton of credit, not just for making it possible to paint the walls by funding it, but the fact that I think you know, a lot of this was his vision. You know, he really did want to tell a story on those walls. That was really his intention. It was it was to give credit and recognition to the contributions and the sacrifices of his congregation and other immigrants in the United States. So he, 
it was so I think he and Vanka, we we always say that he walked in the church and Vanka was told at the altars, you know, the, the front of the church, it should be more religious in nature, but paint the rest of the church as you'd like. I really think a lot more conversation went on between the two men as those as those visions emerged on the walls than than just sort of that blank check. That's <laughs> yeah. my is my assumption. Well, I I want them to echo Adamich, Adamich, uh, Adamich, which is, as he describes Vanka saying, it's colossal. Look at your environment. The word gladai, the title of the exhibit, gladai, is the, a word that he said to his grandkids. It means look, sort of in, in, in a sense you can hear grandpa saying, wake up, look, mm-hmm. look at the world. And, and, and I think that we wanted to call it that because of, uh, of what it says, which is it's not over. Look at the world. Think about this. And you can, you can either have an impact or you can, you can, you can cre- create this world or recreate it. And, yeah, I love that, her, that Maria said, and it took some time for us to get that conversation going, like, what did he ever say to you? Because he wasn't a very verbal guy. He didn't really learn English very well. He was... It was later in life, I mean, and but Gladai, he's like, look, look, you know, observe, pay attention. You can just hear Grandpa saying that, and I, I like that. I like it too. Gladai will be running at the Rivers of Steel's Boss Building through October twenty sixth, twenty twenty three. It's definitely worth checking out. Do yourself a favor and visit the murals. Not only will you not be disappointed, but you'll be awestruck with the beauty, chilled by some of the imagery, and wanting to come back again. Follow at SaveMaxOvanka on Instagram and Vanka Murals on Facebook to see video of the restoration work, updates on the progress of their upcoming expansions, and future events. We're going to leave the show with Anna Deering and what the murals mean to her. Check out pghmuseums.org for all the latest events and a directory of more than 400 museums, galleries, and historic sites across the region. For PGH Museums, this is the new Pittsburgh Exposition. I'm Brian Crawford, reminding you to take a moment out of your day and gladai. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The big last question. <laughs> um, you know, again, I think to me, it's just what resonates with me are the themes, are the fact, you know, is making that human connection. You know, it's it, certainly there's the there's the spiritual aspect. But for me, again, it's that the human experience. I really felt like what Vanka, Vanka's intention that resonates with me is that is just continuing to elevate the human experience and trying to create empathy with what was happening at that time and and sort of that the way to that they can transport you into a different time frame but then remind you that these critical and sometimes you know destructive you know impulses are still at work in our society and that you know i think for me it's it's just a constant reminder that we got work to do you know we can be better we've got work to do and uh, I guess that it's it's a constant source of inspiration. I, I you know I 
we'll never be able to paint a church in 24 weeks, <laughs> you know, or something. <laughs> but if, if, you know, we can, we, if we can raise awareness or empathy or, you know, understanding by continuing to bring more people into the church for generations, I think that is, it'll be just a wonderful opportunity for me, a really satisfying or, you know, something I will be grateful to her having been able to be part of, you know, forever. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the New Pittsburgh Exposition. You can support the program by becoming a sustaining supporter at pghmuseums.org backslash support. The New Pittsburgh Exposition is a production of the PGH Museums Corporation. All rights reserved.